Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. And welcome to the Anchor Church tonight. So glad that you are here. Certainly good to be home and to feel the presence of the Lord. Aren't you glad to be in the house of God this evening? Praise God, praise God. If you, if you would, grab your Bibles with me this evening and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 26. The book of Matthew chapter 26. We're going to start reading today. Um, verse 36 will be where our text comes from today. Matthew 26 and verse 36. Praise God. I, I realize we are ending... Uh, a school, um, a school year and going into summer and I'm sure there's a lot of vacationing. Uh, what I hear from pastors is that summers are called the summer slump when it comes to churches. But we need to prioritize the house of God, amen? Summer shouldn't be a slump. It ought to be an exuberant time because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Let's clap our hands and thank God. Amen. For the touch of his spirit. Matthew 26 and 36, it reads, Then cometh Jesus, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Gethsemane was a strategic place where he chose to pray the prayer that has forever rung in our ears, rung in among Christianity, it was here that he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. Are y'all there? Y'all got it? My soul was exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. He's carrying this burden. He is carrying the burden that the cross is about to happen. He realizes that his purpose is about to be fulfilled. It's culminating to a moment. He said, tarry ye here and watch with me. Verse 39 is a powerful statement when it says, and he went a little further. Everybody say, he went a little further. He fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He was saying, not my will be done, but thy will be done. He didn't pray that prayer just anywhere. It was strategic where he prayed, prayed it in the garden a Gethsemane in a place that he went a little further. As your pastor, I feel tonight that God is calling some of you to go a little further. To go a little further than where you've been. He, for three years, this place was so often visited that Judas, when he betrayed Jesus, he knew where to find him. He said, I know where he'll be because he praised this place often. And it was Gethsemane where Judas brought the Roman soldiers and arrested the Lord Savior, our Lord and Savior. It was here because he knew where he'd be 
He had prayed here many times, but this day it was a little bit different prayer because he went a little further. Amen. You've been here before, but God wants you to go a little further. Look at your neighbor and say, go a little further. Hallelujah. I like to preach from this portion of scripture something that you can certainly relate with on the, on the high cost of oil. The high cost of oil. Would you open your spirit and ask, your, ask the Lord to touch you? Would you do that? God, we love you today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you do and who, that, who you are. We pray that you would move. Move, oh God, upon these people. They would realize who they are today. Not just churchgoers, but you've called them to be priests. You've called them to be kings. Lord, unto you, oh God, I pray for greatness to settle upon this congregation tonight. Let there be healing, but let there be a call of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen. Clap your hands before you're seated and give God a high praise. Hallelujah. You may, you may be seated. I, I come to you today, want to talk to you about oil. Oil prices are up, I hear. Not only do I hear, I'm living it out. When I was in California a couple weeks ago, it was $6 and 20 some cents a gallon. But when I got home and it was 450 cents a gallon, it didn't make me feel any better. I can still feel the pain of that. I'm talking to couples, families, it's changing the way we think. Inflation is up. And uh, gas prices, everything, your stuff delivered to your door, going to the grocery store, you got to think, how many cars are we taking to church tonight? When you've got kids that drive and wife that drives and you drive, you start thinking different. When, when, when you're getting ready to go on the vacation, you start calculating gas mileage. Uh, but truth of the matter is, I haven't come to preach about your fuel in your car. I haven't. Come to talk about a different oil. You find in scripture there was something very, very valuable, and it was oil. It was olive oil. Oil was used as, as different, different things, many different uses. In Revelation 3, he talks about oil. You'll find that David said in Psalms 23, he anoints my head with oil. He, he's, he's not talking about petroleum. He's talking about olive oil. Olive oil has much significance because of what it represents. A person's wealth could be based upon how much oil they have in their house in that day. Oil was used as a light to burn. It was used in lamps to burn. Jesus even paralleled us being saved and the, the filling of his spirit to oil in our lamp. It was oil that was used to make your skin smooth. It was oil was used for cooking. Oil both uh, mostly significantly was used to represent healing oil. oil. You'll find that we have talked about it many times because the woman that was broken before the Lord, she was known as the woman with the alabaster box of oil. She broke the box an alabaster box, and when she broke it over him and anointed his head, she didn't just, just dab him, she broke it over him. That's powerful itself. And a study says that when he said it was worth 
300 pence, that it was nearly a year's wage. That oil was not cheap. She didn't pour something cheap over him. But she was saying, my future's in you. When she broke that oil over him and that oil began to run down, people in the other room started saying, something's changed, something's happened. They <laughs> weeping, they could also smell the difference in the atmosphere because she had poured oil all over the Lord and he didn't stop her because he realized her intent. Her intent was to anoint him, was to pour worship over him. She realized how valuable he was. So can I stop here for a moment? We don't, base, we don't predicate our worship based upon Sunday or Wednesday. We predicate our worship based upon who he is and he's a worthy of our praise. He's been good to me, amen. If it hasn't been for the Lord, how many know he's our ticket out of this old world? Without him, we're lost tonight. Praise God, and we sing about it. The famous song now is, you don't know the cost of the oil. In my alabaster box, and the song portrays, that's written by Sister Janice Showstrand from, from Newark. She wrote this song talking about the cost of oil. And she's talking about, don't judge my praise if you don't know where he's brought me from. He has been everything to me. He's done a lot. That's why I praise him the way I do. You might look across the aisle and somebody's standing there weeping. You might look on the front row and somebody's just leaping before the Lord. You might see somebody shout amen or hallelujah. It's a pouring out of our praise because if it hadn't been for the Lord on my side, is there anybody that says he brought me out? He's done something for me. Oil was compared to worship. But in this, this great story, this great story that Jesus says, no matter where the gospel preached, they're gonna talk about this woman that broke the oil, that broke the alabaster and poured the oil on him. He, he made it clear, no matter where the gospel's preached, they're gonna talk about this woman and what he did. No preacher can help it. And he starts preaching eventually, he's gonna talk about the woman that poured out the oil because it was valuable to God what she did for him in preparing him for his death. Can somebody say amen? The significance of the story is that it was costly and she poured it on him. Oil is costly. It's not easily produced. The reason he's at Gethsemane, at this, this crowning, this this apex moment is because this where, is where everything changes. He takes his disciples to the garden of Gethsemane. He prayed there many times. And when he gets there, he, he, he looks at James and John and Simon Peter. He says, I, I want you, I'm very heavy tonight. That's what he said. I'm sorrowful, I'm heavy. And he knew what he was gonna pray. How many believe he knew what he was gonna pray? He knew what was just ahead of him. His, his moment, the reason that he was born. Even when he was born, they brought him myrrh, frankincense, and gold. That was something you used to put on dead people. That's right, myrrh and frankincense. They would actually burn myrrh. And the smell of burning myrrh, even though it has a bitter taste, myrrh, when it is burnt, smells like vanilla. 
they would use that at funeral services to cover up the stench of death. And when they brought him myrrh, which was an expensive commodity or an expensive spice, they brought that to him, also frankincense, representing that he would eventually die for them. How many believe that? When the woman anointed him with an alabaster box of oil, when she broke that over him, he said, but you don't realize she's done this for my, for my burial. She was preparing something for his future. Jesus was healing people, knowing he was gonna die. He was visiting people, knowing he was gonna die. He knew what he was gonna go through. How many know that? Isaiah prophesied about it, that there was nothing comely about him. I know it's Wednesday, but can I preach how I feel tonight? It's on a Wednesday night, but there's something powerful about Calvary. There's something powerful about what he went through. Isaiah prophesied that there was nothing comely about him. Talked about that he would bear our griefs. He would bear our sorrows. That he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Our chastisement of, was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Amen. He was wounded. That meant he bled out. He was bruised. That meant he bled within. He not only deals with the healing on the outside, the cuts of life, but he deals with the internal pains that we have. Crown of thorns upon his head, the nails that were put in his hands, the nail through his feet, those, those things, his head, his back, his hands, his feet, and his side. Those five significant areas that were marked with a spear or with a whip or with nails or with the piercing. I can tell you here tonight, it pierced him. But when it pierced him, it brought something out of him. And what came out of him is the reason we're all here tonight because his blood is powerful. His blood is remitting. Amen. His blood is forgiving. Somebody say amen. What came out of him is what has changed us tonight and has given us hope. Oh, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I think we ought to stand for 10 or 15 seconds and thank him for his blood. Let's thank you for his blood tonight. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I can't help but get stirred on a Wednesday evening. This Bible study that I'm preaching through tonight, I can tell you this right now, your salvation wasn't cheap. It cost somebody something. Amen. It's costly. Can't put no price on it. Here he is. Here he is at the garden, knowing, foreknowing that these things would happen. And he looked at those three disciples that he was the closest to, James, John, and Simon Peter. And he says to them on this night, he says, he, was, he, was, he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. Um, I think the way I could compare it, is there any of you that ever looked forward to a surgery? No, the outcome is gonna be better but the pain is not, I, when Sarah went in the hospital uh, years ago, had a stomach issue for a short period. When they went in there, they checked his blood pressure and it was really high. And I said, what is that? They said, that's hospital blood pressure. 
You know what that is? Uh, when I go into a dentist office, my blood pressure goes up. I was there this morning. It was higher than usual. Because you know, this, especially you're going to have a tooth fixed or pain. None of us look forward to pain. He said, I'm sorrowful. Because he, he, he went as far as to say in his prayer, if this cup can pass from me. Doctor, uh, is there a medication option that can get me out of the surgery? I, I don't want the knife. I don't want the pain. I don't want, the re I don't want to deal with this. He sh it shows us his humanity. The, the, he was normal. He said, if this cup could pass, let it pass. But he makes this grand powerful statement when he says nevertheless never less than what's expected of me never than less nevertheless than what i'm supposed to do i don't want to just slip by and miss it no he said nevertheless not as i will but thy will be done this was the prayer that 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 is recorded because he went a little further could I say tonight, there are some of us that are standing at the threshold of Gethsemane to where we have been here many times. We've stayed and been in this place many times, but there's a prayer in Gethsemane that has to be prayed by somebody. This is God. I realize there's more required of me than what I've done. God, if that's what you want me to do, then that's what I want to do. Nevertheless, I'll pay the price. Whatever it costs me, I'll pay the price. There's an intensity in the air. There's an intensity in the hour because I do feel there is a call of God upon us right now. Would you say amen? I don't want to become mediocre, complacent, do you? How many want to give God every single thing that you have? How many want to give it all to the Lord? I don't want any regrets. When he prayed, there was strain as if it was great drops of blood. The Bible says that he knelt at a stone I don't know if they have the picture tonight. Tori, do you have that picture? That, 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 this is where he would have been praying. Gethsemane meant an oil press. An oil press. If you look at this, this is, this is, this is an oil press. And what would happen, this cylinder type, you can see the lip just there where it creates a pool. That liquid that you see there, that's olive oil. That's olive oil. And what they would do is that is a cylinder that that goes in a circle. They would stick a stick through that and they'd stick a post, a vertical post, through the center of the oil press and a horizontal post that would be attached to that center post. They would take a donkey and that donkey would walk in circles and it would pull that big cylinder in a circle. When it would, it would crush the olives. It would crush the olives. They would take the harvest of the olives, they would throw it into there and as as the stone goes in circles, it would crush the, the olives put in there. What would be left is the oil that would come. It was a place of crushing. It was a place of pressing. It was a place of going a little further. It was a place where flesh was crushed so oil could come out. When he's saying, not my will, it was the crushing of his human nature. When he said, not what I want, but what you want, it was the crushing of what he would want. I preach to you today, ministry has nothing to do with what you want. 
It's everything about what he wants. Truth of the matter is repentance is that way. It is a place where you say, God, not what I want any longer, but I want what you want for my life. I want what you want for my family. I want what you want for my children. Is there anybody understanding what I'm preaching? Hallelujah. It's a place of crushing. He chose Gethsemane to pray this prayer. I submit to you tonight that Calvary truly happened at Gethsemane. If there had been no Gethsemane, there would have been no Calvary. But because he said, not my will, he was willing to go through what he ever had to go through at Calvary. What he did at Gethsemane allowed the whipping post to happen. It allowed the nails to happen, the piercing, the crown of thorns, because he realized he had to stand in the gap for somebody that's lost. I preach to you today, if there is no Gethsemane, there is no oil. If there's no Gethsemane, there is no healing. If there's no Gethsemane, there is no salvation. I preach to you tonight, it is a place where we get beyond ourselves and we fall into the will and the plan of Almighty God. Somebody say amen. What you feel at the anchor church and the hot tears run down your face because something's stirring on the inside of you. It did not come cheap. It did not come free. There was a price that was paid there. When we start singing and you feel the anointing of the presence of God come in this room and you start shaking and trembling and you find hope and run to an altar that didn't come cheap. It came with a price tag. It came with a cost where somebody got up at 4 a.m. in the morning and prayed for hours for God to move. Can I tell you, a move of God is not cheap. It comes with a price. It's a price. Calvary came with a price. Somebody say Calvary came with a price. Matter of fact, Calvary came with the ultimate price. I'm preaching to you on this evening. I feel a little disconnect tonight. Are you all right? Amen, amen. There is something that happens. Matter of fact, you'll find the olive oil was so valuable. Olive oil, I've already told you the different uses of it. But the truth of the matter is, what it represents was the healing of God. Everybody say the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus said in Luke, Luke 4, he said, the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Everybody say the Spirit of the Lord. For he hath what? He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to open up the blinded eye, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to, to, to uh, set captivity captive, and go down the line. The healing that we know comes from the anointing. The anointing of God is what we need. Can I say, if you're gonna sing in the choir, be anointed. If you're gonna be on the platform, be anointed. If you're gonna teach a Bible study, be anointed. Cause it's the anointing that makes a difference. I'm not up here talking about giftings and oratory, the ability to sing. Oh no, the ability to lead. Oh, thank God for those giftings. But that's not what makes a difference. It's when somebody has the anointing of his spirit upon them. That is what makes a difference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It, this was not defined. I think we should do everything we can in processes to be better. I think we should have great decor. I think the outside should look meticulous. I think our updates should be right. 
I think we ought to update our methods and our processes in the church. But let me tell you something. Not one person is saved because the carpet's clean. Not one person is saved because the lawn is manicured. Not one person is truly saved because the choir sang good or the preacher preached good. If somebody's saved, it is a miracle of heaven. It is a supernatural act of God that he can take a black heart, wash it with red blood, and make it whiter than snow. I come to preach to you tonight. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that you've been delivered. There was a price that took place. Hallelujah. The anointing. I said the anointing makes a difference. We've been in meetings and get up and sing and then the phone would start ringing the next day and they would say when we would do different meetings here in the community start singing. People start calling our church and said, what is it that we feel? When you folks are up there singing, we felt something different. What is that? It's the anointing of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Can I preach to you on this Wednesday evening? I realize the last two Wednesday nights have felt more like a preaching Sunday night, but that's just what I feel here tonight. There's an anointing that breaks the yoke. There's an anointing that breaks the yoke. There's an anointing that makes a difference. It's, I believe in education. I've pushed my kids toward it. I've pushed our young people, our young adults, toward higher education. I've done that since I've been here. I went on and got a further education. I am for that, but God doesn't anoint me, anoint me because my grammar's perfect. Because he anoints me when my grammar's not perfect, amen. He doesn't anoint me because my tie matches my suit and my shoes are shined. We should do that, it should, we should be at our best, but that's not why he anoints us tonight. Back in the hills of West Virginia, back in the old brush arbor days, they didn't have a, they didn't have, they didn't have light bulbs and they didn't have electronics. But in the old brush arbors, they get up and the man would preach on stacked milk crates. He'd get up his pulpit would be stacked cardboard boxes. Back in the hills of West Virginia, a preacher that pray hours and hours, fast days and days, and put up a tent. He'd get up and preach. People start gathering from every corner of the woods. When they get there, they'd feel something that would change their old broken hearts, their old sinful nature that fall down and sawdust floors and repent and give their life to God. It wasn't the building. It wasn't the perfection. It was the anointing of God. I've come to preach to you. We need the anointing tonight. We need the anointing of God. Somebody shout the anointing. I want you to look at your neighbor and say we've got to be anointed. I grew up in this. 43 years I've been in this. I grew up in this. There were times that people would get up and sing with perfection and I'd feel nothing growing up in meetings. Sometimes it was amazing. They could hit every note, but you couldn't feel anything. There's other times somebody would get up and sing and didn't have it all together. But there was something that would flow over your soul. Something would move down to the inner being. Find yourself weeping. Go to a church and you'd start feeling something so powerful. What was it? It was the oil that was coming out of their life. David made it, say, he said it this way in Psalms. He said, I want to be like a green olive tree in the house of the Lord. You know what he was saying? I don't only want to be anointed. I want to produce oil. It comes with a crushing. It comes with a crushing. 
It comes with a simple prayer. Not my will, but thine be done. Self-denial is probably one of the greatest doctrine of Christianity that gets overlooked. Everybody say self-denial. He said, you want to come after me? Deny yourself. Everybody say self-denial. You know what I learned? When you're born, the last thing you want to hear is the word no. Fifty years later, the last thing you want to hear is the word no. I've called fast. People growl from the seat. I literally, I've heard them say, Ugh. Whether it be media or food. Because we don't like to tell ourselves no. You can't have oil without self-denial. I'm not talking about just teaching Bible studies and knocking doors and hoping for a miracle. Oh, no. You can produce oil. Let your life be such a life that it produces something. Some things only come out by prayer and fasting. Jesus was our example. He was our example. When he got down in that garden and he prayed, he's praying a prayer that every single follower should pray. Not my will. He's near an olive press. He's near an olive press symbolizing what he was doing. He was producing anointing. That's what he was doing. In the Old Testament, they would anoint kings. They would anoint priests. They would anoint the utensils and the furniture of the tabernacle with anointed oil. And in Exodus, if you'll turn there with me tonight, Exodus chapter 29. Exodus 29. Somebody say amen. You want to change your family? Produce oil. You want to change your household? Produce oil. You can produce oil. How many believe you can produce oil? It's going to cost you, but it's worth it. I look back at the great revivals we've had here. Every one of them have come after prayer meetings. Fasting and prayer. Every service that we overlooked and saw miracles happen it's because of fasting and prayer. It came with self-denial. Early morning prayer meetings, people would meet in the church or meet early morning or extra nights. Look at your neighbor and say, extra nights. Well, if I said we're going to have prayer this coming Saturday, some would be excited and others would be like, oh my goodness. My grass ain't even cut. Got dirty dishes, got to do. And that's my night. Don't you know that's my me day? You know how we are. If we're not careful, we'll want to live our life and expect him to fit into it when it doesn't work that way in Christianity. We got to get into his life. We're talking about having a prayer life when it should be a life of prayer. It should be something we flow with him. And the Lord's going to visit some of you, maybe all, but certainly some. He's going to ask you to sacrifice. Not because he wants you to suffer, but he wants you to produce. There's something he wants to bring out of you. Oh, he was, John the Baptist declared him as the lamb. But what you find after Calvary, you see him come out as a lion. Because crushing will always produce power. He looked meek. They come against him. 
The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that, in Isaiah 53, the Bible says, he went before his shears dumb, like a sheep dumb before his shears. He opened not his mouth. He was quiet. He, was, he could have. How many know that? 10,000 angels could have delivered him, but he didn't. He allowed them to crush him. Like Gethsemane, Calvary was a crushing. They beat him with a whip. It, it, it stirs me every time. I can't hardly imagine. I love him so much. Think of him being broken. It, it tears me up. Because I love him. But he allowed them. He told Pilate, he said, you don't take my life. I give it. And he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Because he understood, because of this right here, that I have to be broken before I can be I can be what I'm supposed to be. I have to be broken. The Bible says it's better to fall on a rock and break instead of the rock, rock to fall on you. When God calls you, he knows how to break you. And you either become broken before him or he will cause something to break you. Because what he has, the Bible says, the kingdom is within you. He has to bring it out of you. My life was not my own. I am preaching what I feel of the Lord. You will never be fully complete until you're fulfilling your call of God. Amen. And the only way to fulfill the call of God is you've got to self-deny and say, what is it you have more for my life? I promise you, when you end up in that place, you will not look over your life and say, that was a sacrifice. Oh, no. Because what comes out of Calvary, what comes out of Gethsemane is always better than what you give up at Gethsemane or you give up at Calvary. He was a lamb that became a lion. I feel this tonight. Some of you are battling spiritual opposition and God has allowed it because he's waiting on you to give up and give him of yourself. And what he's waiting on you is say, all right, God, I want whatever you have for me. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. And I will say what you want me to say. When you do that, you're going to have authority over everything that's against you. It's going to bring power out of your life. It's going to bring authority out of your life somebody say amen so what they would do if somebody was called of God such as the priesthood such as Aaron and his sons the first one which were the high priest and his sons in Exodus chapter 30 verse 22 it says moreover the Lord spake unto Moses saying take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh everybody say myrrh myrrh was a sap myrrh was something that dripped from a broken tree. It was sap. It was come from brokenness. Everybody say sap. How much of it? 500 shekels. And, uh, and these shekels were weights. Uh, it was a weight balance measure. It was a shekel. It was a shekel was a weight uh, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And they would weigh out in gathered sap. Imagine that. Uh, some of you drink sap. It's called maple syrup. Uh, but myrrh was bitter because a lot of times brokenness brings bitterness. And what he chose, but, but listen, that from myrrh comes healing and atmosphere changing. God can take your bitterness and make it betterness, but you've got to let him operate in your life. And so myrrh is the first that is mixed into this olive oil. And everybody say the high cost of oil. So they would take myrrh, 500 shekels, the weight of this substance, 500 shekels. After that, they would take um, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much. 
Cinnamon was a broken piece of bark and they would take, it was an outer bark. Everybody said an outer. They would take cinnamon and it rolls. The bark, when it is peeled, it rolls up. How many ever seen cinnamon sticks? I used to like to drink hot chocolate with cinnamon sticks when I was growing up. I told my mom that the other day and the next time I saw her, she showed up and had me a container of cinnamon sticks and a good mother. Uh, but there was half so much in weight. Um, the next thing was, um, uh, it says 200 shekels. It says, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels. It was a reed cut out of a water type of plant. It was something cut. It was something cut away, um, was calamus. And um, it says, it says, uh, and it was 250 shekels. And of cassia, sometimes people mix cassia and, and cinnamon, but they're not the same. Cassia is an inner bark. It's on the inside that is peeled from the tree. It's an inner bark, and it's also shaved away from the inside of this um, living, living function. It says, and of Cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and it names these four spices that come from trees, uh, come from plants. And it's myrrh, which is sap. It's uh, cinnamon, which is an outer bark. It mentions calamus, which is a water type of plant that's cut off or broken away. And then it also mentions cassia, which is an inner bark. You see, every bit of those spices come from brokenness. I realize in your life that you are here today and most people that come to God come from a moment in their life that there was something broken. There was a limb that was broken. There was something in your life broken, whether it's on the outside or the inside. Some people are wounded physically. Some people are wounded emotionally. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. Transgressions are outward sins. Iniquities are inner thoughts or inner sins thoughts. Are y'all with me right now? Are, are y'all are with me this evening? And what you're going to find is that God knows the inside of a man. The Bible tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God doesn't just know you on the outside. He knows what you think about on the inside. You can dress yourself all up, come to church, smile, shake everybody's hand and be miserable down on the inside. Be thinking thoughts that are damaging, insufficient, insecure, inadequate, don't even like yourself, wave at everybody, but God sees that inner brokenness. Not only does he see people with outer brokenness, he sees people with inner brokenness. Everything you see in the mixture comes from brokenness. Amen. I'm gonna tell you what I feel tonight. There's gotta be a moment in your life you bring what happened to you as a child to the Lord and say, I was broken, but I don't wanna be bitter. I want something to come out of my life that's gonna bring healing, that's gonna change atmospheres. My, 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 my. I don't want the crisis I went through that stripped something away from me to be in vain. Oh no, I wanna produce healing that's gonna help somebody. Oh, stand to your feet and clap your hands and say, I want my life to mean something. Somebody say amen. amen. I will not let my brokenness be in vain. Something's coming out of my life. And so you'll find that one of the most powerful remains standing. One of the most powerful things you can have is a testimony. 
This is what happened to me, but this is what God has done. It's Memorial Day weekend. You know what I think this weekend ought to be? It ought to be a reflection that says I was bitter, but now I'm better. I was broken, but now I'm healed. I had this to happen in my life, but when I look over the light, God has changed it. God has fixed it. Brother Gators, come here. Come here, Brother Zion. Out of his brokenness came healing. Remember that. Out of brokenness comes healing. Out of his brokenness came healing. He was done wrong. He was despised and rejected. The Bible says he was wounded in the house of his friends. People that should have loved him turned on him. But instead of getting bitter, he allowed it to turn to oil. And now instead of being bitter, he turned it to a ministry that we all show up even on a Wednesday and say the Lord is good. Not just because it was written in the book, but because we've experienced it in our own life. You came in one way and you left different. Why? Because he allowed his brokenness to bring betterment. Somebody say amen. It costs something. It costs something. Woo! Just remain standing. The Bible says when the devil realized what came out of his resurrection, they said they wished they had never touched him. Because what broke him brought power, brought healing, brought hope, brought mercy, brought grace, and he could see it on this side of Calvary. And Gethsemane, I'll go ahead and pay the price. Whatever I've got to go through to get to where I'm going to go to, that's what I want. And I feel something tonight. There's, hey, listen, I want you to tell two or three people, don't let your tragedy be in vain. He's able to turn your mess into a miracle. He's able to turn your mess into a miracle. He's able to turn your crisis into a calling. He's able. Somebody shout, the Lord is able. Four, I'm going to close, four spices. Myrrh was sap. Cinnamon was an outside bark of a, of a tree. Calamus was a reed that was cut away. Cassia was an inside bark. All of it was broken. That brought power. Those four ingredients were put in a, a, a hen of oil. Everybody say hen of oil. That was... Uh, you can picture like a gallon of oil. That's not the exact measurement, but they took this olive oil, pure olive oil, and they put all this in, and it was mixed after the art of the apothecary. Everybody say apothecary. Another word for apothecary is chemist. Another word is perfumist. And he mixed it in this, stir it, and crush, 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 that cinnamon down to powder, mix it. That casea, the calamus, the myrrh, it put it in there and break it down until it mixed until it became one substance. If you'd, he would take that and he would put it in a horn of oil, put a wax cap on it. When it was time, they would take that oil 
and they would pour it. And it would run down. The Bible says that it ran down Aaron's beard all the way down to the hem of his garment. Come here. I'm not going to pour anything over your head tonight like I used to do. You're welcome. You've graduated. Amen. It would, it would go down the beard of Aaron, down his garment, and all the way down to the hems of his garment. They would have been down here. It would soak all the way through. I personally think it mixed so well that you couldn't, you couldn't um, separate the ingredients. It was just one fragrance. It was a, it's like a whole life that now permeates an atmosphere change. So when it was poured over Aaron, now what represents now? He's anointed. Everybody say anointed. But when he came in, he didn't smell like everybody else. No one was to copy this and use it at home. Can be put in as an incense and lit. Oh, no, no, no. It was only for the house of God. Only for the priesthood. Why? Because it represented hope that people's brokenness could be made better. As the high priest, as the high priest, it was on his garment. When they walked in and they smelled that, they understood that this brokenness is now bringing hope. This brokenness is now bringing healing. That what was poured on him was not cheap. It was extremely valuable. But it was poured out on a life that would bring hope and change. I think it's powerful. The ingredient I started out with tonight that I will go back and end with this evening is simply this. What makes oil is fruit. It's what's produced from the tree. It's what comes out of the tree. It's not a wound on the tree. It's what the tree from its root system was made to produce. It produces olives. It's the fruit. Are you ready? It's the future. It's what I'm supposed to do. It's what I was made to do. It's when they would come in. Hold your, you're going to be a fig tree. I mean, an olive tree now. And that beautiful tree, they'd come in and somebody start plucking all of that fruit. Maybe shake it real good and the fruit would fall. They'd gather it. Have you, have you seen those shakers that they put an umbrella around it and they got a thing that shakes the tree? And the fruit just starts falling. The cherries and the, the peaches. And they do that out in California where the vineyards are. But they would come and maybe they'd shake it. I don't know. But it dropped the fruit. And this fruit that came from the tree would be gathered and placed. Watch. Show that picture up there again. Placed in something that's going to be crushed. Crushed. And here's what I felt. I've never preached this before until right now. You've been wounded. You've been broken. Had things stripped away from you. But what you can never stop, you let God heal the brokenness. You let God heal the bitterness. You let God heal the inside and the outside, the broken sap that drips because of the wound in your life. You've let God do that. But what you haven't done is said, Lord, whatever my future is, I'll let you have it. My fruit of my life is to go toward making a difference in people. It's not just for me to be healed. It's that somebody else can be healed because I have been healed. You know what we call that? We call it ministry. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And the only way 
you can truly ever be anointed of God is you've got to kneel at a stone in Gethsemane and say, here's my future. Whatever I'm going to produce, here it is. Whatever I'm going to be, whatever's supposed to come out of my life, I want it to be used for your kingdom, not my will. That's why he knelt in Gethsemane because this is where the olive oil was made. You know what they would do? They would crush the olive and then they would come in and they would separate the olive from the oil. And you know what it was called? Removing the flesh. That's what it's called. You have to separate flesh from oil or it's not pure. It won't burn right. It'll be a hindrance. You know what's in the way of your calling? It's your flesh. I said it's your flesh. That's what he nailed to the cross because the thing that's hindering you from being in the perfect will of God and your life account, accounting for something is your flesh. Your flesh got in the way. Your flesh wants to do this. Your flesh wants to go here. Your flesh wants, that's not what God wants. You gotta say, God, what do you want out of my life? And that's where there comes peace. That's where there comes fulfillment and accomplishment is when you say, here's my life. Somebody say amen. At some point, that's what's required of me. This is where I say, here's my fruit. I want you to have whatever my life will produce. Crush it. Separate it. But use it. Because oil mixed with all of these things is going to change atmospheres. I believe God can call somebody to a city and the atmosphere of the city change. I've been in rooms where people walk in, the whole atmosphere change. I have. I felt it before I saw it. Because God, when he anoints a man or a woman, they change atmospheres. Where there was darkness, they bring light. Where there was hopelessness, they bring hope. I'm talking about the anointing tonight. Is there anybody in this room that says, I want to be anointed? King David said, I want to be anointed with fresh oil. Oh, God, remind me of what I'm supposed to be. Would you lift your hands all over this room and say, God, I want my life to account for something. I didn't go through that for nothing. Oh, in the name of Jesus, it's the high cost of oil. High cost of oil. Oh, pastor, they've got a powerful healing ministry. If you ever only saw where they come from in the prayers that they pray. Come on, there's a call of God tonight. There's a call of God tonight. God didn't just call you to be saved. He called you, he called you to make a difference. He called you to make a difference. That's why you're here on this evening. Because the Lord has spoken to me tonight. Preach on the high cost of oil. Have you sacrificed? Have you given it your all? Let's all come to the altar tonight. That's everybody in the room. Would you make your way to the altar? Would you do that with me and for the Lord? Everybody make your way. All we like sheep have gone astray. Somewhere we make a renewed commitment to the Lord. Got people scattered all over this building tonight. Different classes, different sessions. The Lord sent me to preach to you. 
there's a call of God. Hallelujah. take a moment talk to the Lord I, I don't understand why I'm going through what I went through oh God but I believe, believe something's coming out of this I'm going to help somebody my life is going to count for something the myrrh, you've got the cinnamon, the calamus, the cassia. Now it's time to produce the oil. You've got the brokenness. Now you got to willingly give. Willingly be broken before Him. Here's my future. I give it to you. Everything I'll produce, God, I'll put it in your hands. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You've been broken, things stripped from your life. You don't understand it. But I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to let it produce oil. I'm going to let it produce oil.
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.